We're so excited to have Dr. Haynes here today, the Chancellor at WSU, to talk about the effects of COVID on the educational community at large and how Washington State University is adapting to those challenges. How, how are things different and has anything stayed the same? Certainly, I'll start with what stays the same, and what stayed the same is our absolute focus on quality education. That has not changed, and regardless of how we deliver education, that focus on excellence is very important to us, and that will remain, um, has been, and will remain a primary focus of ours. What has changed is that, like most people, we are working from home. Um, so the staff and the faculty are working from their homes and we're delivering education uh, virtually. And I think it's important that I say virtually because a lot of people will say, I'm getting my education online, which is not exactly what we're doing. Online kind of infers an asynchronous kind of model. Um, we are doing what we call a high flex model of education so that classes meet, that in quotes, um, classes meet at their regular time on Zoom, much like we're doing right now, so that there's interaction with students and interaction with faculty live, uh, but that in quotes again too. Um, and um, then the lectures or the class sessions, however they may be, um, are recorded and students can view them at another time. So this high flex model is really important for us and really important to students because people's lives have been upended in so many ways. And so we wanna make sure that students have access to their education at their own time. So they may join a class at a regular time or they may view it later depending on whether they have to work or they have children at home or whatever it is that they might be experiencing in their personal life. They don't have to stop out. Uh, they, get the, they get the education that they are seeking at this point in time. We do have some research efforts, of course, on campus as well. Some mm -hmm. of them have been stopped, but uh, we certainly have research that's ongoing. We have some research that, that faculty members can do from their homes, and we have some research that's going on in campus. What we've put in place, of course, are all of the safety measures that you might find anywhere else in the country right now, the social distancing, sanitation, um, masking, all of that stuff, checking in, making sure that you're attesting to your health, making sure people know you are on campus, when you are on campus, all of those things. So the focus on safety is really strong. And the day of going in and looking in your microscope and walking away are over, you disinfect your microscope. When you come in, you use it, you disinfect it again. And so it does create uh, more work and more time for researchers, but it's well worth it. Well worth it to stay safe and healthy. Yeah. And as you're watching all of these educational institutions, inc including your own, adapt out of necessity, are there any spaces for growth that you think, uh, that you see as educators are now being forced to move online? Well, there's a lot of opportunity for growth. And uh, I think certainly WSU is going to come out of this uh, much stronger 
we have done some things that we needed to do and hadn't done for a long time. Some confession there. One of the things is we have uh, have virtual help desks now in all of our student services, um, which is really kind of fun because you can log in and uh, somebody will be on the other on the other side and there'll be a friendly face to um, help you there. And so we have virtual help desks. We have um, more access for students to actually talk to people, which I think is um, very, very important. And in the education sphere, we're actually implementing some fairly long standing research that shows that the best education is a mix of tech technology and face-to-face. -face. Um, if you do that blend and do it well, um, that actually leads to a higher quality education. So our focus is on making sure that our faculty get trained on the best practices in pedagogy using technology at this point. We've um, implemented, we have classes every week. Our faculty are working over the summer to make sure that their classes are um, as good as they absolutely can be. We have tools like, not only are we using Zoom, and we're definitely using Zoom, um, but we're using tools like Learning Glass. And I don't know if you know what Learning Glass is. It's the kind of standing behind the board so that you can write and the students can read yeah. it you're facing the other way. So it creates uh, a great visual experience, um, especially online for students. And um, you never lose eye contact then with students. And it's extremely helpful when you have um, people in a in little squares on the screen because <laughs> you can yeah. really pay attention all the way around. Mm -hmm. And then you mentioned that this year you're doing a high flex model. Um, and, you know, out there, there have been a lot of different op-eds about whether or not schools should open from a lot of different perspectives, from students, from educators, from, from the business area. Um, and as, a, as an academic, like, how do, you, how do you think that we should make these decisions um, in light of the fact that we don't have sufficient knowledge, we don't know necessarily what's going to happen? How do we weigh the scientific and business side of things? Um, I know that UNICEF and the World Bank um, and I think Johns Hopkins have all released different frameworks for going back to school. Um, just to add on to that question, do you guys consider those frameworks? Um, are there elements that you incorporate or choose not to incorporate? I, I did not know about the UNICEF one. That's a new one to me. Um, we have been looking at all kinds of recommendations and all kinds of models for reopening. Where we are in the Tri-Cities in Washington, uh, you're all too aware that we are um, still pretty tightly locked down because our infection rates are high. And so we made the decision to go virtually um, and to provide this high flex experience um, because we wanted to ensure the safety of our faculty, staff, and students. So safety was top of mind. Um, Excellence in education, of course, was right there, too. But safety was top of mind when we made this decision. Um, I think that I think that every school and every campus needs to kind of assess the environment that they're in. They need to make those decisions, you know, can we open safely? Can we 
probably not open safely? What are the risks? Um, it's much tougher for um, campuses that have um, a residential component that makes it harder to uh, think about the student safety. But you've got to look at what are your risks and what do you think you can do to ensure the safety and what do you think um, are reasonable accommodations um, to making that safety and still um, ensuring the quality education. And so I think it's really individual to each campus about what it is that they're going to do because every area is in um, a different situation. If in the state of Washington, we've got some places that are almost fully open and some places that like us that are really tightly locked down. So you have to take into consideration your unique area and where, where your students are coming from um, and what you're going to do with them once they're here. So all of those things are factors, but safety is paramount. Mm -hmm. And then in a similar vein, in, in thinking about how you're going to, how you're going about this transition to virtual learning, how do you make sure that your plans are aligned with considerations of access and equity, like access to technology or open spaces, that sort of thing? That is an excellent question. That is a really excellent question because um, we are seeing a greater, um, we're seeing that crack. Uh, for access and equity a whole lot more clearer now, right, than we had in the past, especially when it comes to technology. Um, and being in Eastern Washington, we certainly see that with our rural areas. So some of the things that we're doing um, is that we are setting up Wi-Fi in our parking lot. We are, um, which right now does not sound so great because it's about 140 degrees <laughs> outside. Um, but we also have one building where we have uh, socially distanced stations where students can come in and use computers. Um, they will have to use all those safety precautions, uh, masks included, to actually enter the building. We also have, we're a state university, we're a land-grant university, so we have extension centers across the state. And all of our extension centers are equipped with Wi-Fi in the parking lot and in the buildings. And we're working with those extension centers to make sure that students can get access to the buildings should they need Wi-Fi. We have laptop loaner programs. We have laptop purchase programs. Um, so we are trying very hard to make sure that students have access to technology. And it's not just the access, you know, sometimes you think about, well, I have a laptop and I have internet, but I have six kids at home or I have a very large family that's very hard for me to study. So having those alternative locations can sometimes be just as important as having the access to the technology. Mm -hmm. Um, and one other change that is kind of happening during COVID is the fact that in the past, a lot of times teachers and educators have been undervalued and not necessarily appreciated for all of the work that they have put in. Um, do you see foresee that changing in the future as, you know, they're getting a lot more responsibilities and needing to adapt um, and come up with creative solutions? That might be the hardest question so far, and I would answer it in. I certainly hope so, because I think you're absolutely right. I think um, uh, I think we don't necessarily appreciate the workload of faculty. Um, I will say that I am so impressed with my faculty. I have 
you know, my faculty nine month contracts, like many faculty, but not being paid this summer. And yet they are dedicating their summers to making sure that the fall semester is exceptional. So, um, and I think that you see that kind of dedication in almost every educator. You certainly see it in the K-12 educators and you see it in, the, in, in higher education as well. And I think as a society, we do need to recognize that more. Um, I think, and then last question, kind of looking forwards past the fall, um, with all of these extra changes, what do you think that maybe in a year or two years from now, like what, what do you envision um, learning will look like? I think, <clears throat> excuse me, I think we'll see, well, I joke with my students, I probably shouldn't, that there will be no more snow days because we know that we can broadcast right into your room, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that may not be true. Anyway, I think that what we'll see is um, more and more adoption of technology and better and better technology so that we have both the face-to-face -face component and the technology component. Um, we have a lot of good technology. It's been fairly slow to be adapted in some circles. Some circles have jumped right into it, but I think that this is going to sort of force the idea that we have good technology. We can learn how to use it really well and improve our educational system. And I think that's what we'll see. Yeah, we're certainly seeing that in a lot of different fields, like having this technology and now, for example, telehealth, like everyone being more open to using it. So so I'm excited to see where education goes um, now that everyone is, is really open to the idea of virtual education. Yeah, I agree. You know, and there are some things out there. One of the interesting things and one of the things that we've struggled with and thought a lot about as we've moved forward is what do you do with your laboratory classes? Because mm -hmm. those are usually your hands-on classes and you need to be in there and you need to be dissecting or whatever. Well, there are some amazing technology out there that can be, that can work so well uh, to educate and train uh, students, especially um, if you're looking at things like AI. Um, we have an anatomy lab that is just spectacular. And um, so we're thinking we may never go back to dissecting cats. I but we because we have the human body right there accessible virtually to all the students um, and the learning can be so much richer there so I think we're going to find more and more of those kinds of things yeah it's incredible how many fields that that technology is now being able to become integrated in well thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us that was really really helpful and um, understanding what WSU is doing and, and how it's supporting its community. Well, it was my pleasure. And wear your mask. <laughs>